Welcome to the Brand Evolution Show, brought to you by Westward Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Tom Sullivan. Uh, we're on episode number two, which is a huge milestone because uh, sadly I'm told that uh, most podcasts make one episode. Uh, so I'm shooting for two. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see what happens with three. Uh, I have high hopes, though. I think I, I think I can leg it out to three, uh, maybe more. Uh, after the first podcast, I... Um, I had solicited um, feedback from other agencies uh, and some freelancers who I work with and uh, also had asked just generally for questions uh, and mined a few from those folks uh, who I appreciate. Thank you very much. And, uh, and also from a, a few people who did hear the first episode, how they found it, I'm not sure. Um, and I think that what makes sense instead of diving into platform specific and KPI specific um, details right out of the gate, um, I think we need to just start at the beginning um, about you know how you know what needs to what needs to happen when you define your brand because I think a lot of people hear brand and they have all these different concepts and we talked about this in the first episode but I think it's important maybe in each episode to just basically say there's a lot more to your brand than your logo, than your color scheme, than your tagline. Uh, it, it, really at the core at the DNA of your brand, it's the emotion. It, it's why you do what you do. And, it, and that, that emotion that is behind why you do what you do is what defines your brand and will make uh, an emotional connection to the people who um, you know, who come into your business or who uh, hit your website uh, or who hear about you uh, from a friend. Uh, you know, when people describe what you do, they're really talking about um, many times, you know, your company in general. Like they'll say, oh, these guys make, um, you know, you know, they're part of that new veggie meat movement. And you go, oh, OK, well, what's so special about them? Oh, well. Right. And what comes out next is what's so special about you? It's your brand. Right. It's or it's what part of your brand or what the emotional connection is that excites this person about you. And it can be subtle. Right. It can be very subtle. Um, these people care about this and it's what I care about. That's cool. Right. I like that. It gives me a pot. That's a positive impact. That's an emotional connection. So many times it's not bullhorn loud. You know, it's just over time, it washes over people. They, they get a consistent message from you. And that is a brand message that eventually creates a likelihood of certain behavior. That behavior being, um, you know, talking about your brand, purchasing your brand, purchasing it more than one time. Um, you know, for me, it started, you know, I think about Nike and Just Do It and these slogans. And, you know, Just Do It came like after I'd stopped playing basketball. Uh, just do it was a great tagline, but the reason why I connected with Nike was because when I was in, I think fifth grade, uh, my dad had been a, a high school uh, basketball coach. He had played in high school. He was a good player. Um, he always downplayed that. Oh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't anything special. I was just tall. Uh, and I remember I was, it was fifth grade and my dad was taking me to get my basketball shoes, which was a big deal. Like if you hunt and your dad takes you to get your first rifle or like you, you that's special, right? Those are special trips. So my dad takes me to a sporting goods store and, uh, he, he starts asking questions and, uh, talking to the, the sales rep about, um, you know, what the best shoe is and why, and, 
uh, just so happened that what was recommended was a, a pair of Nikes. Now, my dad had played in like, you know, like high top chucks, right? Everyone did back in the 50s. But, uh, you know, there was a pair of, of Nikes. And so my dad said, yeah, that, okay, well, you know, we'll get, we'll get a pair of those. And, you know, I got Nikes were my, my first basketball shoe. And I wore those, I wore that brand except for I think one year because the school had a deal, whatever. But that was my brand. Like Nike was my brand. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I figured out another brand fit me better. But it was because I had gone with my dad. So my emotional connection to the brand had nothing to do with anything the brand had done. That can, that can happen too, right? You, you can actually have people who have an experience with your company, your product. Um, and so a lot of brands, you know, when they, they try to sell an emotional connection, um, you know, they're really trying to sell just in general uh, the, the possibility of a connection, Right. So, you, you know, maybe the sporting goods store has a commercial that shows a dad taking his son to get his first shoes. And, you know, it's so special for the kid that he gets these shoes. Well, that could be any brand's commercial. It could be the store's commercial. You're selling that emotion, that feeling. And you see that more and more in advertising now. So when you're going to build your brand, that's something you have to consider is like, how are we going to take what compelled us to do this business and how are we going to shape that into um, advertising, messaging, social posts, et cetera, that, that really allow us to put that, that feeling of our brand out there or an emotional, um, emotionally compelling content that's going to resonate with our target audience? Because that's, that's another way of doing this, right? That then they connect that emotion back to our brand. Um, so those are those are really kind of the, the most basic elements of what you're trying to achieve with your brand. So getting back on track here, um, your brand needs to be sustainable long term. Um, back in the old days, brands were developed as a way to uh, differentiate between, um, uh, you know, a, a non-brand product and a product that could be sold for a little more money. Still kind of true, isn't it? If something's considered to be a, a known brand, a popular brand. It's in line with what you expect. You know, it's not a Nike electric car. It's a Nike golf club shoe hat. You know, it's not a Tesla shoe. That'd be weird, right? So you start to have these, these connections with what the product or service should be with the brand. And those connections, um, you know, if applied to the right new product line or the not right new direction, allow the you as a company to expand your product line uh, and still use that same emotional connection to um, create a, a concept of value uh, for your product or service that other people won't have who don't have a brand attached or don't have your brand equity. Um, so you want it, again, you want it to be authentic, you want it to be emotional, or you want it to be conveyed with emotion. Um, Ideally, you want it to be influential. So when people see your brand, they think about a commercial. They think about a feel or they just get a feeling. Oh, yeah. Like, like, you know, if my son had played basketball and I took him to a sporting goods store, you know, now I'm on the East Coast. So it'd be like Dick's Sporting Goods, not where my dad had taken me. If I'd taken him there and we had, you know, bought something meaningful there, then I would always think about that in connection with Dick's Sporting Goods. Now, they'd never know that. Right. Most likely not. Um, but, but that's what happens. And that's why, you know, you see brands like looking for these, these stories, these emotional stories to talk about and tell, because 
It's important. They get it now. That brand is emotional connection. Um, so another thing that's important is, let's say you are a, a large company. Um, you have a you have a real challenge in in taking a brand and um, spreading it across all of your customer touch points. You hear this all the time. It's like an overused statement: customer touch points. Um, but it's really important that you don't have um, like a bad key on a keyboard on an old piano, right? You don't want to have a plinker, you know, when it comes to you sending messaging out. Um, so that's another thing to keep in mind is that you really have to, you really have to be uh, diligent and vigilant about how your brand messaging is being carried out. Um, so when you're, when you're, well, we'll get into this a little, little bit, but when you're creating brand uh, elements, when you're defining, say, documents where you would create content about your brand and defining it, that's something you have to pay attention to. Um, another thing is uh, you have to uh, you have to consider your customer journey. Now, if your customer journey is your B two C and people walk in and buy something from you, uh, that's that's not uh, a very long customer journey. Or people come to your uh, your B two C and they come to your e commerce store. Um, yeah, your product. If they come looking for you and come looking for your product or service, then you you probably have uh, a really good chance of converting them on that visit or, or a subsequent visit. Uh, and by good chance, I mean you know like ten percent or less because that's ten percent would be awesome as a conversion rate. Um, I'd say three percent or above is more realistic. Uh, but if um, you have, if you're B two B, you have a technical product. You're a SaaS company. Uh, you have a long customer journey. You have many stakeholders. You have um, uh, all these different interdepartmental disciplines that have their own um, uh, their own re uh, requirements for the product. Then you know, yeah, you've got you've got something that you really have to uh, get past. That's a difficult process, and maintaining your um, your brand messaging across. All of those touch points and departments can be a little bit more difficult, uh, and it can feel a little bit more inauthentic if you try to force brand in each of those different areas or, or presentations you might make in the sales process. So it's important for you to, um, to be very clear about how you're going to overcome objections, um, how you're going to um, walk people through, and how your brand's going to handle you know, the customer journey and where you're going to interact with with your customers, because um, you know there's only so much modeling you can do and so much messaging you can do. You're you're going to kind of have to, as as I would say, learn on the job, and um, you know address those on the fly to a certain extent. But um, you want to make sure that the people who are uh, dealing with those customers, your inside sales team, you uh, are definitely uh, well versed in. Um, you know, the, your brand and how you want that to be applied through the sales process. Um, you know, uh, I don't think, you know, Under Armour would, um, I don't think they would send uh, Hallmark cards um, to NCAA schools uh, to, you know, be the sponsor of the program. That, you know, it's more going to be like they're going to send a, you know, a, one of those big muscled, things you see in the middle of Dick's Sporting Goods all dressed in Under Armour gear and looks like a football player. They're going to like uncrate their own that's going to sit in their locker room, right? And it's going to be wearing, you know, one might, they might send two, one with the home and one with the away, right? Um, Nike might do the same thing. They might send that same thing with like, think about Oregon. They were, they were, they had all those crazy uh, colorways for the uniforms. You might see them do something like that for them. 
So you really have to think about your brand and how you want to like present it whenever you're uh, interfacing with with customers or the public. Um, and the other thing is, you, you know, when you when whenever I'm doing a brand exercise with the company, and this is something you do by yourself, is something you do with your team. If it's small, it's or uh, if if you're much larger, then you would have key stakeholders from each department be involved. Um, you want to make sure that that you have each part of your company represented. Somebody who's in operations, somebody maybe at the top of operations, somebody who's maybe down at the ground level. Um, same thing with sales teams. Um, you, you want the person who's on the phone, right? You want to, or the team lead of the team that's on the phone. You need people who talk to customers because making sure that your brand is authentic has a lot to do with understanding who your customers are and being customer centric, right? Um, you nobody nobody wins in in SaaS today by just running the same model as everyone else, right? And by that, this, this is a little bit of a vector off to the side, but by that I mean, um, you know, people who write white papers and then they make you uh, enter your name, email address, phone number, budget, number of people in your company, and how many months until you're going to buy. Right? Nobody wants to fill that form out. Uh, and even fewer want to be marketed to with email. The first thing I do when I download a white paper, and this, this is me, I'm not saying this is everyone, but I'm thinking this is most everyone. I, I sign up, I get my white paper, I get an email right away, I unsubscribe. That's the process for me now. And think about that. Think about that, that that is the new normal, that all I can't wait to get that email from you because then I know I can unsubscribe and we're done. That's the end of the transaction, right? And you say, well, that's great. You weren't a customer anyway, right? But what if I was a customer in a year's time? Or what if I was going to be in six months, but I just didn't want to get into, you know, putting 10 minutes on Chad's calendar, right? You have to think about those things too. Those are customer touch points. How you do what you do sometimes is more important than just what you say, right? Okay, so um, in terms of brand content, uh, well, let me just recap that. We want to be authentic, right? We want to have an emotional impact to our brand. We want to integrate across all customer touch points. We want to consider the customer journey, not just how we want to do things. And we need to have key stakeholders who understand, you know, how the customers interact with our company in all these different phases customer support, sales, uh, uh, shipping returns, uh, you know, you name it, right? Person at the front desk, anybody who deals with customers, you want to make sure that you have someone representing that knowledge as part of your uh, brand definition or redefinition. Uh, in terms of brand content, um, this, is a little more, this is a little more difficult because when you say, okay, well, great, got it. What do, what do I do? Like, what, do I, what am I creating here? And the answer is, as varied as how many people you ask. So when you say, oh, great, I'm going to create um, my brand uh, definition now or my content now, what is it? You know, you say, well, you can create a brand vision, right? What is my overall vision based on why I do what I do? Okay, great. So what's, what is my brand concept? What's my brand statement? Now, what is, uh, do I have a tagline? Do I not have a tagline? Is it on brand? All of these things can be uh, can fall out of brand. Or you could start with one that you feel really embodies your brand and kind of build it out from there. So maybe a tagline leads to a jingle. If you think about it, like all these jingles that we've heard all of our lives and you go, yeah, but you know, yeah. But, I mean, think about it. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Anybody? 
You, probably everybody, right? Just do it. Yeah, I, everybody, right? So taglines, jingles, um, you know, jingles were more popular with radio. Uh, there isn't as much audio with um, with uh, like websites, but yeah, with uh, YouTube, with social media, um, you know, if you're running like pre-roll ads on YouTube, uh, you know, you can have jingles, you can have, you know, and you still see that coming up. Like insurance companies are a great example of selling a totally unexciting, unemotional product and doing it in an entertaining way, right? Geico commercials, if you go through all of the different versions of Geico commercials that have been out there, uh, State Farm has uh, actually jumped on this train. Like a lot of them have jumped on this wagon now because they're selling insurance. Insurance is something we feel we need, but nobody cares about. Nobody really wants, right? It's a box you check in your life, whether it's personal or business, nobody cares. So how do you take a product or a service that nobody cares about and present it in a way that people can connect emotionally? They used humor. Yeah. Um, some people use annoyance. I don't, I don't suggest that um, because that gives you recognition, but that doesn't give you a lot of like, uh, it isn't very sticky and it doesn't give you a lot of long-term value. Um, some would argue with that, but I, I find uh, positive emotions are a, a way more effective in terms of building brand equity than negative emotions. Um, so uh, your vision, your concepts, your, your statement, your brand statement, um, your tagline, a jingle, um, and then you get into like designing the brand. And a lot of times what people see here, uh, they think is the brand, but it's really kind of all of these things. But when I talk about um, brand visualization, I am talking about like the tangible visual things you see, the logo, the color scheme, um, the look and feel of the website, the look and feel of the product packaging, the product itself, the way that the ads are designed and the way they look, um, all of that is your visualization. Basically, if it's getting pulled through people's eyeballs, that's brand visualization. Um, and then your lexicon is audiology, right? It's uh, any words that have to that describe your brand. So, well, yeah, audible and red and uh, red words. Um, that's your lexicon. So that's the language you use to describe your brand, product, service. Uh, and of course, those are the two main things that people tie to, right? It's um, your your look and feel of your brand and your um, the words that you use to describe your brand. Those are the two things that most people associate. So tagline would fall into your lexicon or your jingle would fall in. The visualization might be your pre-roll ad. It might be a, a display ad. It might be a remarketing ad on Google ads. Like, so you, you have all of these customer touch points that are uh, most, in most cases, outbound marketing um, that, you know, help drive home or help uh, slowly wash over people to build up that brand recognition. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have to take into account all of these elements now back to the customer journey and, you know, how how you want to present that brand uh, at each touch point on the customer journey if you have a longer customer journey. Or you have to think about um, if you use a, a funnel, if you're using like a growth marketing funnel visualization, then what you would have is you know, uh, brand awareness at the very top of the funnel. Uh, you'd have some qualification in the middle, uh, remarketing, et cetera. And then you would have somebody purchase at the bottom, right? But in terms of, you know, like brand equity and growth marketing kind of share that same, um, 
that same mentality that uh, customer purchase is not where it ends, right? The whole idea of brand equity is that uh, over time, you actually build up some value in the brand itself because customers stay. Customers refer other customers by becoming champions themselves. They, they re-up for your service. Uh, they, they buy again, right? So they remain customers for a longer life cycle if you've done things correctly with your brand and built brand equity. At the base of the funnel with growth marketing, it used to end there, right? Performance marketing was get them to buy. And now growth marketing has extended that out almost to another uh, element of the funnel, which is retain them. Customer retention is the key because growth marketing, when you, uh, there depends on whose calculations you look at, you don't actually grow unless you're consider you're continuing to um, get new customers and maintain your customers for longer periods of time. And because it's a lot easier to resell to existing customers, et cetera, uh, you don't need to uh, generate as many wins as a percentage uh, to, continue, to continue to grow your company. So um, the metric ARR, annual recurring revenue, is really big with um, with companies that are in the SaaS space, but it's also really kind of a great metric for everyone because um, you want to make sure that uh, your recurring revenue is revenue you can guarantee is going to happen every year. And because you have people fall out uh, who bought from you before, um, they don't continue your service, they don't continue to buy uh, your product or your brand of product, uh, you'll have a certain amount of people fall out every year. You have to basically replace that revenue, and it's a lot more expensive to go get each every and every dollar of replacement that it is to resell to the same person who's already, you know, in your customer bullpen. So um, those are the ideas that are shared between growth marketing, retention, and long-term brand equity. Um, and those are really kind of the, the aspects that I wanted to cover today. Uh, if you have questions, um, you can um, you can go to uh, the um, our social media. Uh, you can um, submit questions through um, the show page, uh, the Brand Evolution show page on uh, westward, westwardmarketinglab.com. Uh, and we'll be back with a third episode, uh, shattering our record of two. Get out there, keep branding, and uh, we'll be back with uh, groundbreaking episode number three soon. Thanks for listening.